Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Jim. Today afternoon. we are covering how important is teamwork? So this is a really good subject to cover, and I think there's a lot of um, a lot of points we could pick up on from our own experiences, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, no matter what you do in life and what your journey is. Teamwork is such an important part of that. I'm sure you'll agree with that, Jim. I think there's a lot. Um, um, I think it's Joe Strummer from the Clash, actually, which I actually um, quite admire. What you said, he, he, he asked, said, "I mean, without people, you're nothing." Yeah, and I kind of think you know you're an island on your own. Effectively, if you, uh, it's the lone wolf scenario. I mean, I'm a great lone wolf. I work on my own all the time. You know that almost yeah. to the point where as I, you know, I'm I'm going to disappear to Spain. <laughs> you're, obviously just, you're obviously just finding this out just now, and it's like I, knew, I, I know it's coming, Jim. I'm know. disappearing to Spain, and and basically nobody's coming with me. Elaine's not coming with me either. I'm just going to work over in Spain. Um, because it, it's 40 degrees out there, yeah. I see that in your diary, so I, I knew you were going, but and I'm yeah, saying, yeah. What am I doing sitting here? <laughs> um, so I, I'm gonna work out in Spain, but yeah. I'm a great lone wolf, and uh, and I have been a jack of all trades as well. And I, I and I'll say, people say jack of all trades, master of none, but I say jack of all trades, master of them all, yeah. <laughs> the thing Somebody, is, you, you are you are a good lone wolf, and you work really well on your own and things, but you and you obviously built what you have uh, initially by yourself by a lot of hard work and a lot of hours and and uh, a lot of your own time that you put in but then you got to the point i think you'll, you'll explain this just still probably better that you just you realized i need a, i need a team i need people around me to yeah um to accelerate this to the next level i didn't i didn't really get there in the very beginning on my own anyway i mean i had a i had a, a, a team yeah. Um, so to speak, around me, because I had my bank manager, who was absolutely fantastic, and basically I just needed to show him the numbers, because I was like, I was really good at demonstrating how to get through the system as quick as possible, um, and the point that they couldn't say no. Mm -hmm. So I had that um, for the bank, and then I had my contractor, who was Mark, Mark Taylor, uh, and Mark had just started off as well, and he was ambitious, <clears> and he wanted to grow his business, and and we worked well together in the very beginning. So I did quite a lot myself, but he did a lot as well coming on board later on. And then I had to pick up a, a, a bookkeeper um, who was Elaine, Elaine Valentine. Yeah. So I picked her up. And Elaine, uh, Elaine's been with me the longest. Yeah. And I think it's over 20 years at least, maybe 25. Um, I think it's closer to about 25, Jim. Uh, and that's uh, weird to think because it's like it's only it's only like it's maybe five years ago possibly we've been working <laughs> together and yeah it's over 20 it's about 25 years that's mental but it shows you how it's important to have that teamwork so even though i keep saying that i'm a, you know I'm a, I'm a great lone wolf and i like keeping myself myself and yeah i, I i'm not really because i do work with a team and in the very beginning it was it was these core people and then then you get to a particular point and we will talk about it in detail in a bit but you get to a particular point where you plateau out. This is this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs in the very beginning. They're lone wolves. They start off, they get the journey going, and they love the excitement and love the enthusiasm, and they get that huge spike in the beginning and that huge adrenaline rush and that huge hit of dopamine all the time. And they love it and they crave it every single time. And that's why a lot of people actually want to just start their own business and do their own thing. They don't want to work for anybody else because they because it gives them that excitement, it gives them that dopamine rush, um, yeah. and and that's what they get from it. But then what they don't realise is 
at some point in time, they come to a plateau. Now, not my words, Keith Cunningham. Yeah. You know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. <clears throat> Keith Cunningham actually talks about this. He says, you plateau out. Entrepreneurs are renowned for plateauing out. And so they plateau out at a certain point and they can't go any further because they've not learned the skills they need to adapt to and actually grow into in order to grow any further than they are right now. So basically what it is, is they've got, you know, they've got their hands wrapped around their system and the whole system revolves around them. It it relies on them keeping it going. Um, And this is why, this is, this is why the teamwork's so essential because in order to break out of that, then you you have to, uh, you have to, you have to delegate to people. We will talk about what that means and, and how that can be done. But if you don't, then you're stuck exactly where you are. And then what most entrepreneurs do at that point is they don't they don't grow any further. But what they do is they self-sabotage. They self-sabotage themselves. They actually start doing things deliberately to are not needing done to what they're doing and their processes because it's boring for them now. They've not got this dopamine anymore. They start to self-sabotage their business. They start to fall out with people deliberately just to get some excitement. Does this sound familiar for people that are in couples and relationships? (laughs) It's exactly the same principle. You know, you get to a point where you plateau out in a relationship even as well, and then you get get bored, and some people go away and self-sabotage in order to just inject some excitement back into the marriage. It's exactly the same for entrepreneurs growing a business. It's exactly the same for people that work in teams. They, they start to get each other. It's exactly the same for family units. They're all teamwork. They're all forms of teamwork. But they self-sabotage in order to get the excitement because they don't like the boredom. This is quite an interesting one, Richard. Um, and, and I've not told you this story, actually. I was listening to it last week on Diary of a CEO. And they did an experiment where I think it was either 100 or 200 students. Um, and they, they put them one at a time into a room. And they left them in the middle of the room. The, the room was bare. There was an electric shock machine in the corner. And it was bare. And, this, and there was no noise. And they said to them, sit in that room with your own thoughts for an hour or two hours. Now, we'll give you a wee shot of the electric shock machine. You can test it now. So they tested it. And it was like, oh, yeah. Everybody was like, I'm not going near that. You know, there's no way I'm going near that. And it says, but that electric shop machine's over there if you want to play about with it. Um, you know, if you ever get to that point. And and so they put them in one at a time. And after a period of time, the majority of these people actually started playing with electric shop machines. <laughs> Generally, they would rather have that. They would rather have that negative thing rather than have nothing at all and be left with their own thoughts. That's quite interesting. And that's human nature. Yeah. We are collective, collaborative people as humans. That's how our society, that's how our instincts work. We collaborate very, very well with each other. What gets in the way is, well, what gets in the way is things about what we're going to talk about now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's quite an interesting experiment, but I, I do fully understand how you, you covered there about working in teams and as somebody that works as part of a, a team every day yeah. the importance of delegation and things is, is so important to the to the um to the success of any team and i think what you said about people keeping it all to themselves and i think people on their own 
and and I've went through this myself. Whereas yeah. you, you you have that ultimate trust and confidence in yourself to do things, and you don't want to then delegate them out because you think, oh, they'll not be done right, or it'll not be done this way, or it'll not be done the way I like yeah, it. Me, I'll do it myself. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So I could totally relate to that, um, and I think that's really important that teamwork is the key to the success of any team or or, or any. You know, like I'll defy anybody out there, Richard. Exactly what I said the other night. I'll defy anybody out there. Actually, is actually is actually says to me they've never ever said that at any point in time when working with other people. Give it to me and I'll do it myself. Yeah, because I'll guarantee you, almost every single person will have said that. And it and it's the frustration that they go through. But but you don't realise you're going to have to teach someone else to do what you do, even though the even though they don't do it as well as you do it. Because if you don't do that, then you're stuck with a system again that you're in complete control of, and you will never set yourself free. That's the that's the that's the point. You you can't set yourself free unless you collaborate and work in a teamwork society with yeah. other people. And I go back to the Joe Strummer from The Clash. It's like, without people, you're nothing. You can't grow any further. You're an island in your own self. Um, so we're going to talk about this. You know, you, yeah. want, you want to talk about the, you know, some of the teamwork benefits. Yeah. Uh, five reasons. You, you yeah. know, we, we're, as I said, we're jack of all trades. Um, a lot of people that are jack of all trades uh, are entrepreneurs. They, they are really good at what they do in their selves. But what you're not good at is what you should delegate to other people in order to strengthen in order to strengthen your resources in terms of what you're doing. Now, five reasons, you know, five reasons probably what we're going to go over for for teamwork and why this should be so important. Um, it's essential, as I said, to to get your goals. A uh, teamwork benefits you from the differing perspectives and feedback. So, what what what's your thoughts on that? You know what? What are you thinking on it? I mean, have you got any thoughts on it, or or do you? What's your comments on it? You know, overall. Yeah, I mean, a teamwork environment. As I say, I work in a team every day. We, I'm, we're part of a team, Jim, and I have a team separately. And 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 I know this is going to be work orientated, but like you say, Jim, this relates to family units. It's it's any kind of unit where more than one person are working together um, yeah. to achieve something. Um, and it allows individuals to bring their own diverse perspective to. Things like problem solving, um, contributing to everyone's uh, values within the group, um, and to find solutions more efficiently and effectively, yeah. which is a really important thing. Because some people's perspective in comparison to another's might be completely different, and it might get you there in a in a much more efficiently and effective way. Mm -hmm. um, so that is, that's a really important thing. A, 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 although a although I doubt, I dominated IQ is a lot bigger than one person listening? on their own. Although I doubt it, <laughs> but you see, you see how that happens because we doubt it. Amy yeah. actually says there. Amy Hyatt actually says on on Instagram, this happens in jobs too. You're absolutely right. Um, and somebody else has actually said that as well on TikTok. Um, you know, it happens in relationships. Yeah. Um, and it, I was it, going to say before we dive in that obviously you are streaming live Instagram and TikTok, and we're live on all the on the pages as well. So uh, interactive guys, keep uh, keep in contact through the comments. But, but collaboration can sometimes be good and collaboration can sometimes not be good. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest and look at the teamwork that's going on right now. Here's a typical example between the Greens and the SNP. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no cohesive colla uh, collaboration there. 
It's the, the Greens are just dictating. You know, now I'm not getting political, please. Don't take this as a political thing, but it's what I see. And hopefully you see the same thing as well. The Greens have been left to dictate on certain policies that the SNP want to abdicate to. They don't want to do anything about it at all, but they're going to have, they've abdicated it completely to the SNP. Now you've left, for example, a housing minister. Well, you've left a minister for tenants in charge of housing oh. legislation almost and, and the private rent sector. How could a minister for tenants re represent a private rent sector? They're a minister for tenants. But the housing minister, well, the previous housing ministers, let's, Paul's a bit more proactive in that. He's just joined as the housing minister. But for Scotland, but the previous housing ministers really didn't take anything to do with it at all and just left it to the housing the minister for tenants, who's a junior minister. So they abdicated that whole housing policy, and this is why we're in kind of the mess we're in the now with rent controls. You know, it may sound on the face of it as good, but it but it isn't, and that's another show. Um, yeah. Another one as well is look at the climate change thing. You know, they've abdicated that to the Greens as well. And there's people out there saying, my God, how on earth are you going to get 100,000 homes in Scotland to put in heat pumps every single year? Because that's what Patrick Harvey wants mm -hmm. in the Greens. And it's like, what? Are you nuts? A heat pump is about 20 to 25,000 yeah. pounds. It costs a lot, yeah. Who's going to have that money? We're in a cost of living crisis. Are you, are you completely delusional about everything? People struggle 3,000 for a normal combi boiler. Yeah, so so you can see in that scenario, while we think teamwork is a good thing, sometimes it needs something else, um, maybe common sense, yeah, for it to actually work. But the problem with common sense, it's not that common, is it? No. And there's a lot of educated people who are very intelligent, but then there's that element of common sense which is missing. And common but sense and kind of boots on the ground experience in, in whatever field is so essential. And I think like you say there, Jim, and, and what you highlighted with those examples is a team's fine as long as it's got the right members. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is the right members. It's, it, it's understanding what the dynamic of the team is and what the yeah. thing is. The, the, but, but you're right, the different perspectives and the feedback that you get from a team overall is it will actually give you a higher, it generally gives you a higher um, a higher chance, a higher expectation of actually getting a better result, yeah. I would say. Now, the reason I know that is because Keith Cunningham did this with us when we were in Paris at his workshop. So he had the um, typical example. I've actually still got all the paperwork and everything like that. I was reading through it the other day. And it, what it was, was you're lost in the desert. So in other words, your planes crash landed. Now you've got 20 different things that you can do without crash landing in the in the desert. And it was things like, you know, stay put or go for a walk to find out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, no, so it was a survival thing. It was, yeah. you know, you've got water further afield, you've got a mirror as well. Do you want to take that with you? Do you not want to take it? So it's all these different scenarios about what you can and can't do. And you had to number from one to twenty or one to thirty or whatever it was, what ones you thought was most important. And then what happened was we did that as individuals and we did it for a nice one, you know, um, um, an Arctic situation as well, uh, crash landing in the Arctic. And then we did it individually ourselves, 1 to 20 or 1 to 30, in the, the most prioritised order. And then what we did was we, we went into groups and then we discussed as a collaborative group 
what we felt was the one to 20 order. And every single time the group got a more accurate response than the actual individual. <laughs> Unless you were a survival expert, that's yeah, only yeah. what happened. So it proved to you, I mean, I went away with that weekend with my tail between my legs because it, it dispelled a lot of root of myths I actually thought was true. Like I can make a better decision than everybody else. And it's like, that was never the case. Um, it dispelled all these different things about the fact that a collaborative group can often make a better decision than, than an individual on the majority of occasions. Sure. Now, you could look at Richard Branson. You could look at Alan Sugar. You could look at, you know, Jeff Bezos. But if you understand that, every single one of them has got a team of people around about them advising them. So when they seem to be the one making the decision at the end, it's based on all the information and all the data that they've, be, they've been collecting um, as a result of their collaborative teams. Uh, they've been consulting first. So when Richard Branson says, screw it, let's do it, he kind of knows what the implications about what he's about to do. Yeah. And he plays the downside every single time. So he knows what the downside is of what the worst case scenario could happen if he goes, screw it, let's do it. So he's prepared to take that risk because on most occasions he gets it right. But but also on, on a few occasions, he actually gets it you know, historically wrong and horrendously wrong. But his successes are a hell of a lot more in value in monetary terms than his losses. That's what I would say. And, and most business leaders and most entrepreneurs and most people in a job, um, that exactly applies to them as well. And we've had some beauties in the past. You know, I've had some crackers. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's the cost, I suppose. I know, every, I've said, I've not said it this before, but I've heard it before. It's the cost of doing business. Yeah. You mentioned there about um, team, like leaders, and obviously that, that more, we're going to talk about hierarchy and, and within a team. And there's, there's, in everybody's mind, that they, they probably think there all, should always be somebody at the head of a team or leading the team. Um, Richard Branson is a good example. Although he is the yeah. face and the head of Fudge, he's quite, he's quite good at, uh, spreading equality and, and and things but throughout his staff and, and having everybody as equals or, or, or as much as they can be what's your take on having obviously hierarchy within a team and, and having people's equal input and and listening to people all on the same level well let's be honest um, in a team they're not all equal and that, that's a fact and, no, and, and I would agree with that there has to be there has to be it, it may seem like People are equal in a team, but it's not really because it, when it comes to it, there's one person that's got to make that decision. Yeah. And that's the person leading the team itself. But the person leading the team has to be skilled enough. And I'm still working on that, as you'll know, <laughs> in, order to, in order to diplomatically take the, take the feedback from the team about what they yeah. think should be done and then collate that information together in order to come out potentially with the right way forward or on the right way forward as possible let's put yeah. it because you never know it's the right way forward until it until you know this whole thing about well in hindsight somebody said to me the other day it's like we've been in a property market where you know anybody could have succeeded and and this is what this is one of the ministers that actually suggested that 
we share our profits and our gains on our properties with our tenants. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you having a laugh? In other words, the capital appreciation of our property, we should take share with the tenants. And it's like, okay, but the tenant doesn't take any responsibility for the mortgage themselves to pay it. And they don't pay it, by the way. The tenant doesn't pay the mortgage. The tenant just pays the cost of the capital. In other words, yeah. the bank's charges, the interest-only bit. Um, they don't actually pay the mortgage down because most landlords don't pay their mortgages off until they get to the very end and they sell the property. Yeah. That's the only way it gets paid off. So the mortgage is always there regardless, and they've got the landlord's got to pay it. So they're paying the cost of capital used to buy the property plus the cost of running and a wee bit of profit over and above for the landlord to actually make on the return. So we suggested that maybe that's something that we should be doing. Uh, they should share equally in the profits of the appreciation of the property. And I'm like, okay, so what happens when it goes down in value? Are they going to share in the losses? <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, they'll not share, they'll not share in the losses. It's like, okay, that's a bit, I'm going to start to rent then if that's the case. What is the point of me <laughs> ever buying a house? There's no point yeah. never buying a house then because you've got a guaranteed income of success. You know, you just go and rent a house and you're going to get a share of the profits and the capital appreciation. And you've got no, you've got no risk. You've got nothing. You've not got a mortgage. You've got nothing in your name. You can walk away in 28 days. <laughs> That's a prime example of, you see, obviously, whoever, MP, minister, whoever, come up with that. That's, That's a prime, prime example of an idiot. A, a, a prime example is somebody making a decision <laughs> that influences the sector who have no idea how it works. Yes. And even idiots have opinions. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Amy actually says they're here. Uh, good teamwork comes from good leadership. I can't disagree yeah. with that at all. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I, I think no. as well within a team, a good leader is important. But to me, there's all there's different levels within a team as well. And I think it's important that everybody identifies where they are within the team and not to feel like they are any less than anyone else because everybody's contribution to Still how the fit. team works. Yeah, I mean, uh, one person can't do something without another skill set, another person's skill set, and whether they maybe are at a different level for you or not, you all contribute to the ultimate success of the team. Yeah. So here's a classic example. Seller Dyke Title mm. Pro. I'm one yeah. of the directors on that over yeah. on the East Nook. Now, while I don't take an active part in hands-on and voluntary and actually volunteer my time, the one thing I excel in is their systems in order to how to do it more efficiently and to you know to pay people quicker to possibly get membership easier. Um, yeah. So in order to make things more efficient and make more things more uh, less time involved um, for everybody else, then my input to that group is that. And also when it comes to finance and yeah. when it comes to the legislation as well, because I was a company secretary before. Um, so, well, everybody else in that team does a hell of a lot of work and, and would put me to shame, to be honest. Yeah. And my only input into that is to to help guide them in the right direction that they want to take themselves. It's it's not up to me as an individual to say this is the way we have to go. It's a collaborative effort led by the group, and we will naturally find where we want to go as a result of where we are right now. Uh, hopefully, that will make sense. Yeah, so, well, that's that's your thing. I mean, systems and efficiency, and obviously finance, they're your things, and that's what you bring to the table. And yeah. others bring theirs, and and like you say, uh, together you you reach the goal. Well, Laura Jane, for example, is a yeah. fantastic administrator, a fantastic progress chaser. It uh, moves things forward, gets things done, 
Uh, then you've got Andy. He's fantastic at you know doing other things. You've got the the ladies as well and the men. Um, they're all brilliant at um, volunteering and raising money for funds and uh, and then applications for um, additional finance from from community groups. Uh, we'll we'll put into that like the um, Silver Dykes uh, Trust, uh, like the the Crown Estates. Uh, we'll put into that in order to regenerate and rejuvenate the Silver Dyke Tidal Pool. That's something that somebody else does. That's not me. So unless yeah. we had that collaborative group, Silver Dyke Tidal Pool would probably never exist in its form now, and it wouldn't have about a hundred thousand pound in the bank to do improvements to the to the place. That hundred thousand was gained and gotten by people's efforts to go towards that. And I think the final bill for it is probably going to be about 500,000. So we're going to have to find out new ways of generating income um, from various sources and grants and national water and stuff like that in order to in order to get that. Um, so these are all things that a group um, and the skills in the group uh, apply to. So it's everybody working to their own skills and their own strengths and the whole team working as a unit but we know it's going to be as we know it's going to be difficult now and again, you know, because because we're we're all volunteers, and most people are volunteers within most groups outside of their normal day to day job. I mean, you probably are even a volunteer in your outside of your, your inside your job. You're probably a volunteer because a lot of people actually do a bit of additional work outside of their normal nine to five. Yeah, they're they're contracted for, and and so. So you are kind of volunteering away, but but it gives you kudos, and it goes towards um, opportunities later on. So when there's advancement to be had, or there's um, or there's bonuses or salaries increases, then you're possibly the first in line because people recognise your skills because of the things that you've taken part in before on a voluntary basis. Yeah, yeah. Then you go that that bit over and above what you're you're expected to do within a job role and things. I definitely put you in that position and it also builds confidence um in you from the other team members and obviously your team leader and things because they see that um they see that in you and see you going that extra mile whether it's yeah. um part of your role or not yeah absolutely i've done this i've done this all the way through my career um from a training accountant to a financial director um and, and managers positions so I've, I've seen it from the very start to the vet you know to 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 where it could be to a director level and running a running a big company, and um, so I understand that process um, quite well. Uh, but then you've also got to contend with the conflicts in the group, and yeah. and when you look at the the self interests. So sometimes within the group and the team, you've got people vying. I mean, if you've got especially if you've got a big team. You've got people vying for their own place and their own ideas and their own beliefs about how this project should go and how the team should work together, and they have different opinions. Look at look at the political parties. Yeah, you know most political parties. You don't you don't realise I know because I know what goes on behind the scenes. Most political parties downfalls of the leaders or people in in in, in prominent positions are driven by people within their own team behind the back door, feeding information to the media in order yeah. to couple them without them knowing. Cue the SMP. Cue <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the Conservative Party, let's be honest. Look at Boris yeah. Johnson. Look at Theresa May. You know, all these people were, were, were knocked down by people within their party. 
So it, it's then you've got to what do, how do you deal in a team when you've got all these resources? Uh, you know, enables you to build that team and uh, equipped with better challenges and all the rest of it. How do you deal with that when people start to they, they start to disconnect? They start to have their own factions, and that's where that's where that's why that's why most political parties have chief whips. You know, to keep everybody in line. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I think I think when you're at that point when you start to see maybe the cracks in a team where people have their own views on how things should be going and maybe their goal is slightly different in mindset from what everybody else is thinking about, then it's it's really important to regroup and kind of make sure everybody's on the same page and, and working towards the same thing. Yeah, one um, of the best real estate agents or the biggest real estate agents in the world, Barbara Cochran, which yeah. has the Cochran Group, who's on uh, the uh, the Dragon's Den style uh, Shark Tank in America. Shark Tank, yeah. Um, I mean, she's absolutely minted, but she's very successful at what she does because she, she knows when to call it a day with someone. Mm -hmm. And basically, on a Friday, if you're called into her office, you're not coming out. <laughs> that's, that's the end of it. If she invites you in for a, on a Friday to talk to her, just to talk to her, can I have a wee chat with you on a Friday afternoon? You're done for. That's the rule. Um, yeah. You're basically that's her asking you to leave as soon as she says come into my office on a Friday afternoon. There's no, there's no warnings or anything like that. It's just yeah. like, nah, you're not the right fit for this company. That's the end of the road for you. Probably need to better choose another career. Uh, and so she's really good at identifying that straight away. If somebody's not right for a team, and actually just saying, right, it doesn't matter how skillful you are and how great you are. And maybe you're that lone wolf, but if that lone wolf can't work with a team, there's no point in them being there because your company will only grow to the size of that lone wolf. It won't move on from there. Yeah, I think that's a really important part. And it comes back to delegation and the right team members and things again. Um, but we did speak about, obviously, skill set and everyone bringing their own skill set, like you say, Jim. Um, Mm -hmm. that systems and efficiency and things are, are, are your thing in finance and then other people might have obviously different skills that bring to whatever team it may be but then that brings it it brings us on to the next thing we're going to talk about is learning within a team and teamwork leads to learning and, and learning from each other yeah um, and individuals like i say do have their own skill set and strengths yeah. and things but when a whole group works together as a team as one unit then everybody has the opportunity to learn from each other Look at AI. Yeah, AI is amazing. AI. AI. Look at AI when you think about the logic. AI is the perfect team, okay? Because AI doesn't quibble with each other. They all yeah. learn at the same pace. So if one learns after a thousand attempts how to pick something up with an automated hand, okay, yeah. every single one in that, in that collaborative environment learns straight away how to do that as well from wisdom. Yeah. They don't need to use experience anymore. And this is why it's important in a team when you're with somebody and somebody knows what they're talking about. This is why it's important just to go and shut your mouth and let the person that knows what they're talking about do the right thing because they know what they're talking about. There's no point in you interjecting and going, oh, yeah, you were going to, yeah, yeah, okay, I see that and everything. It's like I've not even got to the end of the sentence and you've decided that what I'm going to say is going to be exactly what you think. So what was I the point of that, there, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does that. Everybody does that, including <laughs> me. You just have to learn to put your put your foot down 
and actually stop for a minute and, and actually just just be quiet yeah. and don't say a word. Somebody said to me the other day when I was at the cell like title people, Andy said at the end, he said, You were awfully quiet. You never you weren't vocal about anything at all. And I thought, well, I didn't need to say anything. Everyone else in the room was saying exactly what I was going to say. What yeah. was the point of me adding to it? Just to, have a, just to have something to say. It's like there's no point. Why would I waste my energy on saying exactly the same thing as other people are saying? But you've also got to let the air, the room breathe in order to get everything out. Because if you don't let, if you don't get everything out of the, out of the conversation or out of the team, then what's going to happen next is they go away into their sub teams, and then they go and discuss it among themselves, and that's yeah. when they. Is this a dagger I see before me, Brutus? <laughs> That's when you see the daggers. It's like there's often, I'll tell you, I'll tell you we one in the corporate world. This is this goes on all the time in the corporate world. So what happens is the in-house fight. Okay, so often when you've got three directors of a company, don't worry about it, Richard, this won't apply to us because <laughs> when you've got three directors of a company you get, and they have a board meeting, Two of the directors have already met before the board meeting and decided how the board meeting's going to go, because one of them is going to ask the question to the other one to get the answer that wanted, and the other one doesn't know what's going on. So the whole board meeting is a stage in order to get the result they want, and the other person is completely oblivious as to what's yeah. just happened. And they're wondering, how come I never got to make a decision? It's like, because this was all decided before you even got in the room. And that's the classic manual on board on, on board board meetings and in-house fighting in, in, a, yeah. in a corporate environment. That goes on all the time, by the way, Richard, even in huge conglomerates and PLCs all around the world. Um, this goes on all the time in board yeah, meetings. I can it's, imagine. It's, yeah, it's it's that insular um insular my it's my it's my castle and my kingdom, and don't you go near it. I remember walking through on the first day to one of my one when I was a financial controller at um ESA Magnetosh. Uh, you know, I looked at the person and I, and I looked at it straight away and I looked at the person's schedule and I looked, what the hell are we buying washing machines for a thousand pounds for when you can go down the shops and get them for 300 quid? Yeah. And I walked through the person department and before I even got to the end of the sentence, the boy went, and you just shut your mouth and get back through to your own department and keep yourself to yourself. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like, because he was on the same footing as me, so I really couldn't tell him what to do, but I was just pointing out, it's like, why are we buying washing machines for a £1,000? It could have been somewhere else, but they were extortionate, and you could have bought it somewhere else for a better price. But all of a sudden, it was like I was I was stepping on this person's toes in his domain, um, and, and they went mental. They went ballistic. And it's like, I toodled off to my, my own domain again, back on my patch, <laughs> and, and then and learned a very valuable lesson that day. Just make sure you've got all the facts first before you present them to someone else so it doesn't yeah. become an argument. And that's why every single time I come on to anything and I do any blogs or vlogs or I respond to anything, everything's backed up with facts and figures. Yeah. Can't argue with it at all. You may argue with an opinion, but you can't argue with the facts and the figures because they, they stare you right in the face and it's fact. It's not made up. Uh, and that's key to having good leadership as well, to have the right information, the right facts. And that allows you to work uh, more efficiently, more productively, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because do do a lot for me doing it all on my own. It's like there's no way that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, efficiency is the most most important thing. That's what I think. That's what I, that's what I think. Look at Michael Dell, classic example. Yeah. 
you know, where everything was held in stock for Dell computers, and they carried millions, hundreds of millions of pounds worth of stock for Dell computers, and all their cash flow was tied up in this stock. So there's no surprise, and this is a well-known story on the internet, Michael Dell, you know, stock reduction, just in time. You know, that's how he developed, this, well, he helped develop that system. The just-in-time system was developed because of that, because of this sort of mentality, was like, why am I holding all this stock just in case something might happen and tying up all my capital and all my money in this stock? And then that stock could go obsolete, you know, overnight possibly. And I would have to write that off and that would be a loss, that would be a loss right on the bottom line. So he then went to his team and said, you know, if we could reduce our stock held by 50%, and everybody went, holy shit, there's no way you're going to reduce that by before he even got to the end of the sentence. And he said, well, whoa, 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 just hear me out. If we could reduce our stock by 50%, look at what we could do with that extra capital, the extra cash that we've got, and how we could grow the business with that money. In other areas, it would want to allocate that too. Oh, well, that sounds all right. He says, okay, so I know we can't reduce our stock by 50%, but if we could reduce our stock by 20%, how could we well, do that? How could we do that? Yeah. How could we do that? Oh, but it can't be done. Aye, but if we could do it, how could we do that? So they went, okay. Well, I think we probably need to do this. Somebody else comes in and says, I think we need to do that. Somebody else comes in and says, maybe we should do this. And then somebody else came in and said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but we could also do it like that. And then before you knew it, within two or three months, it reduced his stock by 15%. Held. Now, that's a lot of money to them. Yeah. And then he came back to them again and he said, okay, we've got our stock, our stock held from before down to 85%. How do you think we could do this by reducing it by maybe another 15%. Oh my God, we've just reduced it by 15 already. How are we going to do another 15? It says, but if we could, how would we do it? Oh, well, you could do this and you could do it. So you can see the story. Eh? And do you know, Dell got down to the point where they hold no stock. Yeah. That, no that, stock that, at all. Everything's just in time. All the money's tied up with the manufacturer. They're the one that holds all the stock. And when they need all the parts, they just call them off from their warehouse and then pay them for the stock at that time. Yeah. So it's a just-in-time system. And that saved Dell millions, hundreds of millions, which they were able to invest into other businesses and other areas of their business itself. And that's, that's for me, is what teamwork, can how they can improve efficiency and also productivity as well. Because it's the same scenario. You know, if we were going to get a better yield out of this, how could we get it? Okay, we could do this, we could do that, we could add this. Yeah. We could maybe cut this process. So it's not necessarily a one big thing. This is this is our classic example of our business model, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's like, I don't, I've not improved one major thing in our business model in terms of what we do in marketing and also negotiation. I've improved a hundred different things by 1% every single way through it. And the 100% improvement doesn't compound to 100%. It compounds to a lot more than 100% than the 101% yeah. overall. So there's not one single thing that we excel in, but we make sure we improve in everything. This is Kaizen. This is yeah. jumping. We've done that a few weeks back. Yeah. This, is, this is this mentality. This is how to improve. 
but you can't improve unless you have everybody on board in that improvement. Or if you have someone who's a dissenting voice who doesn't want to do it or doesn't believe in it, that's the wrong person to have on your team. Yeah. And that's sometimes when you have to invite them into the office on the Friday. <laughs> See, maybe, maybe this business isn't for you anymore. <laughs> maybe this career path isn't what you should be at. Um, and yeah. they should know that for themselves, by the way, if they're the dissenting voice all the time. You know, if they're yeah. just negative about it all the time, it's like, I'll tell you right now, if you're negative at any team meetings and you're always negative and you're never proactive and you're never showing any solutions to anything, it's not the right job for you. You're on the wrong team. Yeah. Go and choose another team or build your own team. Yeah. And, yeah, and those examples there, Jim, are, are the, the prime examples of how teamwork can improve uh, efficiency and productivity. And I think, like you say, there are those small incremental changes throughout any business or any team and, and what they're doing. And then and then those responsibilities to carry those out divided up between everybody will compound up and, and just be amazing and, and yeah. uh, results. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when we're on that, I mean, sometimes it sometimes it teamwork can cultivates communication um, and also strong working relationships, but sometimes it can't. And um, what's your personal experience of that? Yeah, it could it could swing in roundabouts, and I think strong relationships and good communication is key uh, for any team to function really really good. Teamwork yeah. can be effective in building great work relationships. And that allows you to then work together a lot better. Um, we we don't really mean I don't really mean that team team members must be like best friends or do you know what I mean? It's rather a great working relationship uh, to allow things to flow right, um, rather than be obviously. I, I mean, I'm not saying you all have to be friends outside any well, team. You don't. Any... You don't do you? I mean, look at me. I could count my friends in one hand, really. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, uh, and and that, I, I think that maybe. I think, to be honest, that goes for most men that they can count their, their friends on one hand. We're mm -hmm. just, where women can count their friends on all their hands and their toes and everything like that. But <laughs> women yeah. are designed to be people person. That's the way they're wired up. Men are just designed to be logical and straight to the point and very efficient yeah. at what they're doing because they're, they're hunter-gatherers. And and that's a hardwired thing into us, whether we like it or not. We can't get away from that. Um, so we are good at making things um, efficient and you don't need to be the best friends with your team member as long as they do their job in the capacity to what they're doing and the best of their ability that's yeah. what i think is the best thing and um, because if, if you can keep that distance often it's not good actually to have a good relationship with that person outside of the normal day-to-day -day team because sometimes that can cloud your judgment on decisions that need to be made within the team Sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes that person maybe isn't good for that team and it becomes difficult to separate yourself from your social aspect as to your what you should be doing for the team itself yeah, in, that, yeah. in that scenario. I've seen it done. I've seen it a lot in the past where, where for example, um, maybe somebody's needing to be reprimanded, maybe somebody's been needing to be taken aside. And because of the relationship this person has with the other person outside of their normal day-to-day -day work, it becomes very difficult yeah. for them to do it. Um that become that I've seen that happen before in a team, but I've yeah. also seen the flip side is where somebody's had a good relationship with that person outside work, and and they've they've always known that person where it's worked very very well within a team environment as well. Yeah, I think it, it could be a fine line, um, but I think predominantly a, a good working relationship within work um, allows people to kind of it, it allows people to collaborate and and share their views and they 
they have a lot more respect for each other and things and they will listen um whereas if you don't have that element of respect and communication level with somebody um they'll just it doesn't work um, yeah and sometimes, sometimes the respect's gone though because and this is something i got taught by my mentors when i was when i first started out about 35 years ago uh, my mentor said the, the the difficulty about you building a business jim from the very scratch and you relying on your friends and family to do it mm -hmm. is they've pushed you up and you, they've pushed you up the high street and the trolley car actually pisses yeah. apart. So they don't see you as a serious person anymore. Yeah. They don't see as they don't see you in a light as a business person. They just remember the gym. It was falling all over the place, completely drunk and, and out of his skull. That's that's the sort of thing, you know, the, the joke inside of that. And um, they don't have respect for you because familiar familiarity breeds yeah contempt most of the time a lot of people look at it like that they don't see you as a because i used to have it in the past where you know in the early days where i started to phone people they were going okay is this jim parker senior and i'm like no it's junior it's like you just you just sound so much like your dad and like come across <laughs> like him as well mm -hmm. you know and the whole thing i actually thought i was talking to jim parker senior now i, I thought whoa wow that was, that's pretty good but but you see how see how then then possibly what happened next was when they found out it was me. The dynamic changes. The dynamic changes in the conversation, and it was almost like you know I don't really want to take you seriously anymore because I remember you as a kid and all the trouble yeah. you used to get into, um, and so I don't see you like that anymore. Whereas mm -hmm. people that meet me today, it's a completely different proposition. Yeah. The people that you meet from now on, first when you're first starting out, will probably probably be your even even a bigger fan of yours than the well than the people that you've actually grown up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, I could because of the familiarity breeds contempt thing. Yeah. That's quite that's quite relatable, I have to say. Of course. It's just it's just it's just nature, it's human nature. It's it's how we are wired up. Um so it I mean the, the communication it can develop strong relationships on some occasions. It can even have a cohesive group who actually decide, I tell you what, let's go out for lunch and have a collaborative lunch together. Let's go out at night and we'll we'll do something. We'll maybe go, you know, do kayaking or archery or whatever at the weekend. When we go for a, a, an afternoon out in Edinburgh, um, you know, these sort of things to have that build that cohesive relationship between a team is is possibly possibly might be essential for me it's difficult because of me being a lone wolf and yeah. actually just thinking well i'm on to the next thing and i get told off for this quite a bit you'll not know this richard but you know i get told off for from people round about me not in the company but people round about me that you know i respect and they yeah. say look jim you need to share your successes with your team you need to tell them the things that you're achieving in other words if you're given £30,000 towards charity in last year, which is what we did, yeah. for God's sake, you need to tell your team this is what you're doing because they'll feel really good about that. And I goes, well, just what we're doing it. And we're, doing, we're going to do 35000 this year, more than likely, to charity and local causes and, and all the rest of it. So it's just it's just what we do. But you've got to tell your team. It's like they're just sitting in the complete dark. Um, and then when you go to do other things as well, you know, keep everybody informed. But it runs both ways. Yeah. So that's the that's the challenge for me with with being that person. It's mm -hmm. it, it's to get that to 
to keep that communication line open. Because as, yeah, as I say, it's easy for me just to switch off and disappear. I know, and, and communication is so important. And I think we talk about out with um, working circles and things and uh, doing things as part of, or, or, or certain members of teams and things. But I do think, like you, see, you, you mentioned like kayaking or things like that. I think physical activities and things that um, kind of require endurance and, and an element of teamwork or support, doing these things with team members, I think is quite a good thing. Because it, it yeah. builds on that, it builds on that relationship within the working environment or in, within the team environment as well. Here's the, here's the old school thinking: let's all go and get pissed together. No, no, that's that's not the answer. No. And that's not the right answer, Nick. No. And we've we, we've realised not personally, but I know out of years and years of this and understanding behaviour and how teams work and how. All the all the psychology that goes behind it. I've now read up on. It's not the best thing to do. Well, we think it's great at the time for us. Sometimes it's not great at the time for other people. There was a time where, uh, well, our managing director would not go out um, at Martinfors. He wouldn't go out with the with the with the teams mm-hmm. in any night out because because it, and and one of the one of the, the operations director actually, Willie. Willie used to go out just to observe people when they were drunk to see how they really were. Because he says when people were drunk, that that exposed their true nature and their, the true person they were. Mm-hmm. And that's what Willie used to do. He was a fly devil, I'll tell you. But he, was, <laughs> he was right. He just knew though. So. Ah, he got he got your card straight away because your card was marked. If that's mm-hmm. the because because it's like it's like the two faced thing. Um, being being drunk will actually will actually reveal the true person you are. This is this yeah. is why when people get lots of money, it reveals that it often reveals the true person they really yeah. are when they get when they get money. Yeah, and, people, and people you change what, with money. Yeah, it's not nice. Well, they don't change. It just it just they expose themselves. Yeah, they are really like that, and deep down they're like that. You just don't see it. But when they get the when they get finances and they get wealth, that's when it truly comes out. This this now some people will be wow wow they'll reveal the true nature as a giver and they'll they'll do everything and they'll give back and they'll 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 not they'll not want for anything they'll just take what they need and the mm-hmm. rest will just yeah. be you know to help. And um, where other people are like, I'm not going to give anybody a penny of this. I'm going to keep it all to myself and fuck them all. That's what happens, isn't it? I've seen that happen loads of times, and I, and and I hate to say that, but that's typically what that's typically what happens in that scenario. Yeah. Um, the, the the it is it is like that. I've seen that happen. Um, where actually I've witnessed it happen because when when I first started out, I used to sell people the dream in the mm-hmm. beginning, and then what I used to say to them when I was selling the dream, I says, "What would happen to you if you if you had another another thousand pounds a month?" How would that make you feel? What would happen if you were able to retire and actually never worry about money ever again? And I used to see people change right in front of my eyes. From mm-hmm. this person I sat in the room with, who I thought was a really nice person, turning around and saying, I would sh- I would stuff it in everybody's face. I'd get the best car ever, and I'd drive about town, and I'd go, get up you, get it up you, the whole lot of you, and everything like that. And I'm like, wow. Now, see, immediately at that point, that happened. I knew straight away they'd never be successful. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why? Because no one's attracted to them to help them as a result of who they are and how mm-hmm. they act. 
No one wants to help somebody like that. It's a, a newsflash. If you're like that, guess what? You've probably got hardly any Facebook friends. Yeah. <laughs> or you've maybe tried to friend a lot of people and nobody's accepted your friend request um, in a long time. Or maybe a lot of people have actually left recently um, or your friend of your friends on Facebook. And, and it's literally that's what's happening. Right, right before your eyes, but you don't realise it because because the old phrase is, is pigs don't know, pigs stink. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you'll get back what you put out. And if you're putting out that kind of that kind of negative... You don't realise you're doing it, though. Yeah. You don't. And, you know, I've, hey, listen, I've caught myself doing it sometimes. I've caught myself being like that. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Where's that coming from? It's like, stop right now. So we're not infallible. We're, we're all kind of the same. You've just got to recognise the signs that that's coming, it, 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 that's happening. i tell you what, though, the biggest sign for me of, of someone is sincere is when somebody's trying to win the jackpot on the television are you rooting for them are you are you just are you just blown away when they win or do you actually celebrate the fact that they lost and if you celebrate yeah. the fact that they lost you will never get anywhere in your life you need to you need a checkup from the neck up that's effectively it because yeah. you'll never succeed in anything for that reason. I I am over the moon um, when I see people win. And I love it. I love yeah. watching the wheel. The wheel is a classic example. It's like when people are going to go for broke and it's like 90 grand. See, I'm getting all excited already about it. Just <laughs> It's like when they're going for 90 grand and it's like they're going for broke and it's like, wow. See, when they win it, I'm almost in tears for them. And yet they're going, yeah, this is great and fantastic. And I'm like, holy shit. I've got more emotion for you than you have got for yourself. Yeah. You, you see that, you hear that quite a lot uh, on the radio. Um, they do the cash register uh, yeah. throughout Fife and things. And I think they do it all Scotland anyway. But um, when you hear the person win, and some people, I mean, you could just, you could hear it in their voice how much it's going to benefit them. And you feel so happy for them and things. But there'll be people out there that think, God, that could have been me. I wish I had got it. But then yeah. somebody else probably deserves it or, or needs it more. But what did, what did you do to get it? That's the point. Yeah. Um, another thing as well is winning at someone else's expense isn't really winning. Mm -hmm. That's that's a thing you've got to really bear in mind in a team. You know, winning at someone else's expense isn't winning at all. You've never won. You've not won anything if someone else has lost as a result of you winning. And there's always a situation. And I don't care what society says. And I don't care what anybody else says. All your furus, your fake gurus all say you can, two people can win at the same time. Yeah. And it's been proved to me time and time again, again, in Keith Cunningham's workshop, two people can win. Everybody can win in, a, in, in scenarios. And in, 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 in all scenarios, in all teamwork, teamwork and team building scenarios, everybody can win. However, not everybody chooses to win, despite the fact and they've got that opportunity to win. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the final thing for me, I think, is team building. Is that you know it probably gives a it gives an expanded sense of accomplishment overall. It does, and I think I think if you all draw together as a as a group as a team, and and all have your own skill and, and your own opinions and. And work well together and achieve that goal and are successful. It's a, a big sense of achievement when you get to what you've you've yeah. set out to do. 
I talk about it time and time again, and, and I've I mentioned it to you time and time again, because we don't actually, we sit back and just, you know, we are where we are, but at the end of the day, we built a seven-figure company from zero. Yeah, we've come a long way, and sometimes we forget about it. <laughs> That's it, and we sit in the moment, and we think to ourselves, oh, it's no just working how we should work, and all the rest, and it's like, wait a minute, we've built a seven-figure company from zero, who else does that? And then another one as well is like, I've built, and you've helped me build, and other people have helped me build, you know, an eight-figure company yeah. <laughs> from, from, from zero. But then, do you know, that it's because, I mean, yourself, and then obviously myself as well, you're, you're so involved in, and, and invested in the journey. Uh, and the journey, and you, you have to enjoy the journey. We've covered that in plenty of other shows. Um, and then you have the goals, but then are they maybe just benchmarks? Because then once you meet, once you hit one, you're on to the next one. And then just of keep course, yeah, that, that's the whole point. But that that the, you have to be driven. If you if you've got nowhere else to go, um, then then that's the end. Of it. You've got nowhere else to go. Um, you'll not if 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 you're if you climb the top of the hill and get over the ridge and there's another mountain in front of you and you think the top of the hill is as far as you want to go, then that's as far as you want to go. That's yeah. all you're doing. So I don't I don't think in, in a team, I think you should always strive for a, for more. So once once your teams can come together for a collaborative effort, you know, while we're all they've got a lens division team, you've got a sales division team, but we're all pulling in the same direction overall yeah. for the accomplishment of both teams. But you see it in yourself that we have, you know, individual goals in each yeah. team that are different from each other. But we'll still pull along the same direction. But now and again, you know, people that possibly aren't here anymore <laughs> have been pulled aside and it's like, wait a minute, that's and that's uh, to the detriment of the team. Yeah. It's like that's that's no you're in the wrong place. <laughs> you shouldn't be here. You think differently from the collective here. We are all pulling in the same direction for a common purpose, for the yeah. overall good of our community, and to invest in ourselves and also our accomplishments and our achievement in order to aspire to greater things than we are right now. Yeah, we're not here just to pay and, people and, and a salary, the and that's the end. Of it. We're not here just to pay people a salary, and that's the end of their accomplishment. If you're if that's the type of person you are and you're a nine to five and you're living for the weekend, you're in the wrong place. Because we want people that want to better themselves, we want people that want to achieve, we want people that want to accomplish, but we want people that more importantly are going to put the work and effort in to do that. You know, everybody wants it, but who's prepared to pay the price for it? That's the type of people we attract. Yeah. And if you're not that type of person, Let's be honest; you didn't last long. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's the ability to see the bigger picture um, of not just maybe that, like you say, the ninety-five job and that's it and away for the weekend. Mm -hmm. and, you know, if, if you're a company like, like like what we run, Jim, or what, and what we set out to do, there's a bigger picture to things. Um, there's a lot more to it, and um, that you and I know that, and I know we've got um, multiple members of the team that are all on the same page. I, and that's how we have year on year on become that wee bit more successful. Absolutely. Why do you think we're all going to Estes? Yeah. Why do you think you know the majority of people have actually contributed and the last year's Estes are actually going to Estes? And why are they going? And why are we going for two nights? You know, because 
we deserve it. Mm -hmm. We work bloody hard to get it. Yeah, it's like it's the third year in a row. Actually, it's going to be the fourth year in a row. We're potentially up for the number one stage in, in Scotland. Yeah, and if not the UK, we are sitting in the sales side going in with an approval rating of over ninety nine percent from our customers. Who the hell gets that? Yeah, and in a stage of business, a 99%, well, 99.67% approval rating, that is astronomical. The letting side as well, is it's sitting at 98% for the letting side. Who gets that? Very few people actually get to that attainment. We're sitting with an exceptional from the best estate agent, best, best agent awards from Right Move as well. That's the top 5% elite agents in the whole of the UK, according to Rightmove. And we're up there with Rightmove as well for the, the last couple of years. So what does that tell us? We must be doing something right. But how is that achieved? It has to be the team. It can't be me. You know, now and again, I say that I'm the, oh, I'm the number one stage in the, in the UK or Scotland or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. But you would never get there unless it was other people as well. It got you there. You know, even the people that are only here any longer, which are very few now, um, because yeah. we're, we're good at picking the right people now, <laughs> even the people that aren't here any longer um, contributed to that success in some shape or form. So I could only take my heart off to them. We either yeah. learned, it was either a lesson that we learned or it was a blessing that we had in terms of what we're doing. And that's how the overall team has brought us to where we are right now. And that's how you are where you are right now because the team you've got round about you. I am where I am while the team I've got round about me because my team is probably a, a slightly different team to your team. Yeah. But, but we, we we do different things and we've got, like you say, we come together ultimately for the same purpose. So ultimately what you want to do is you want to look to the people that are most successful in our society in terms of what you define as success. And if that's what you want, you work out what they're doing and then you copy that. That's how you do it. If they talk in a certain way, if they deliver themselves in a certain way, if they say anything, it benefits them or everybody around about them a lot more. That's what you should more or less mimic and yeah. how you do it and how you deliver and how people deliver in terms of how they're doing it. Now, there's no surprise there's other team members in my team that you don't have in your team, Andy Harrington, one of them. Mm -hmm, one yeah. of the best public speaker trainers in the whole of the UK, if not the whole of the world, to be honest. And he's trained people from a lot of successful fields who are successful in what they are doing. And people keep saying to me, it's like, how on earth? People can just people can just replicate what you do. And I'm like, no, they can't. Eh? <laughs> Go back to when I didn't look at Mine I put up one of my first videos the other day. I see that, yeah. I know. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, it was like the Reverend I Am Jolly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I thought that's a brilliant video. <laughs> it shows you though how things change um, over the years and, and, and how you develop your skill. Yeah. And now it's all about excitement and, 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 and emotion and, yeah. and all these things that are led. Uh, all that comes out now in terms of what we're, and hand gestures everywhere and all yeah. over the place. Um, whereas before it was like, here we are today at number 40. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look at the photographs and see inside. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, but the team has actually helped me do that. That's a collaborative effort, and it's not just my one self that's done it. That's all. Um, so I think overall, teamwork brings an expanded sense of accomplishment as well. Everybody else benefits as a result of it. Um, the people around about you benefit for that reason. And it's the whole thing to me, and, and, and finalisation before, obviously, you're going to finish off, yeah. is uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. I yeah, think that's yeah. the most important thing for me. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, we've covered quite a lot of points today, which are key elements of working as a team, communication, um, and obviously strong relationships between, good working relationships between a team, um, and things that are going to obviously improve the efficiency and productivity. We've got a few comments in here, Jim. Uh, Biggie Smith, I think, Biggie, you are coming through YouTube. Biggie said, take, uh, it takes teamwork to make the dream work, which yeah. I would agree with. He's also said, uh, drunk drunk words are sober thoughts <laughs> when we spoke about that earlier so that's crazy. absolutely true it is. Yeah. see the see the times when i was in the century 21 days when it was all self-employed associates and i had all yeah. these people working i was working for them really because they were self-employed associates it's not up to me to run the system but in the early days you know i had a lot of them you know well not a lot of them a few of them used to take my side when they had a real good drink and they would tell me how to run my business and it's like, and I'm like, God, it's like, have I, have I not got something else to contend with, with the fact that you don't believe that I'm running the business right or it should be running a different way? And I thought, well, what's the point of you being here? Go and do something else because this is the way it's yeah. getting run. Because it, it, it was just it was just moaning. And in reality, it was because they weren't doing as well. So they wanted to blame someone for it. That's another classic. And, and that's how the drunk yeah. ones are sober thoughts. It all comes yeah. out when people get a drink. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so thanks for that, Biggie, and joining us. And and also, uh, afternoon to Gary and Angela, and thanks for joining us in the comments there. And I know you've got um, people joining in for Instagram and TikTok as well, Jim. Yeah. Perfect. That's us. So yeah, that was great. That was a good topic today. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. Jim and I will be back next Monday, 12.30, as usual. And uh, that'll be us ending for today. I'll be, I'll be sitting in Spain. <laughs> You won't be in Spain, but we'll still be here. So. I might sit on the beach and just rub it in. <laughs> right, everyone. We'll see you next week at 12. See you later, Paul. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.